Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Hello, my name is Kathy Henderson, and I am the Director of School and Community Initiatives at the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity. I'm delighted to welcome as our guest today, Dr. Ian Brissett. Dr. Brissett is a research scientist in the New York State Health Department Bureau of Chronic Disease Epidemiology and Surveillance, where he is Director of the Chronic Disease Risk Factor Surveillance Unit. Dr. Brissett is trained as a health psychologist with expertise in applying research design and statistical methods used in the social sciences to surveillance and program evaluation in public health. He's currently engaged in very interesting work on school wellness policies, which will be the topic of our podcast today. Ian, welcome, and thank you for being with us today. Thank you very much, Kathy. I'm very glad to be here. I thought we could start with getting our listeners into the groove. Tell us, what is a school wellness policy and why should we be concerned about it? Sure. Uh, A school wellness policy uh, is a written document that really outlines um, procedures, practices, and environmental um, at the school pertaining to all as- a number of aspects related to um, school wellness. Uh, it sets guidelines around nutrition education, uh, physical activity and PE, uh, and then also uh, nutrition practices uh, and environments having to do with the school meals program and also foods outside the uh, meals program, also known as competitive foods. Uh, it typically is created through a collaborative process in which uh, the community of practice, really, parents, school boards, and school administrators uh, write uh, this, the, the, the policy itself, and then uh, it gets approved by the, um, the, the school board. Uh, the importance is that uh, through these policies, it really creates the environment uh, to promote uh, health in the students. And so by writing policies uh, that set strong um, guidelines and expectations, uh, it can create a healthier environment for uh, the children attending schools uh, within the district. Now tell me, how long have school wellness policies been with us? Uh, Well, the real mark where they became uh, required as part of um, uh, federal legislation through uh, the WIC Reauthorization Act of 2004. Uh, And so for schools that participate in the free and reduced lunch program, uh, starting in the 2006-2007 school year, they were required uh, schools participating in these federal meal programs to have a written plan uh, approved by their school board and to have written plans for implementing uh, these wellness plans and the policies written in them. Okay, so if you've got a child in public school in this country, you probably are under the rubric of a school wellness policy. Uh, That's right. Um, In New York State, for example, uh, 92% of schools participate in this program. So uh, in our state, all these children uh, within these school districts are covered under a wellness plan. And a number of schools outside the federal meal programs have also taken uh, the step of making a commitment towards the health of their children by adopting plans on their own. So this impacts most of our children. That's right. They have wide reach and has the uh, ability, these policies have the ability to have a broad lasting impact on the health of uh, children attending schools. Okay. Now, I understand that one of the programs you're working um, on is the Healthy Schools New York. Can you tell us about that? Sure. Uh, This is a comprehensive uh, uh, approach in New York State. Uh, It's a statewide initiative where uh, we're having uh, coordinators work 
with uh, school districts across the state to strengthen the policies um, within their school wellness plans around tobacco control, nutrition, and physical education, and then also providing support at the local level to implement these policies um, within uh, the school buildings. So really it's a two-part where there's uh, assessing the strength of current policies, making revisions um, that would improve the policies uh, and efforts to make healthier food alternatives available to children within schools, increase access to quality physical education uh, as part of uh, the school instruction, and uh, have, again, a lasting impact on the um, health and well-being of children in school. So does this program affect all public schools in New York State? Um, it does not, uh, it, but it has a, a tremendous statewide reach. We have 18 regional contractors who will be working with uh, five to six uh, school districts within a catchment region. You mentioned assessing, revising wellness policies. How are you going about doing this? Uh, well, we're assessing these policies through a tool developed at the Rudd Center called the WellSat. Um, this is a practice, public health practice tool that was developed out of research that occurred here at the, at the Rudd Center, and it provides a systematic way to uh, assess the strength of current policies in different domains. And based on the results, um, a school district gets information about how they're stacking up um, relative to certain areas, whether it's nutrition education, um, the policies and procedures set in place for uh, the meals program and for competitive foods, and also provides concrete information about how a school district can improve the strength of its policies. So the WellSat is being used as uh, a way in which you could provide information to the school community about the strength of their current policies, and then also ways to improve that so that they're moving towards um, standards that we consider to be best practices for school health. Great. Um, it sounds like you've taken what was originally a pretty academic tool and really brought it to the people on the ground. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Uh, we're using the WellSat in a way that's very interactive, in a way to engage the school community, parents, administrators, uh, school health service direct, uh, school nutrition directors, uh, basically the community of practice that has an interest in the health and well-being of, of, of uh, children within their school districts, and through an interactive process, getting them to look closely at um, the language uh, that's in their policies. And the idea is to, from the information, then write policies that support implementation at the, at the building level. So for example, uh, rather than having a, a vague policy about supporting healthy vending, we want them to write policies that are actionable, specific, and get uh, the community to understand how this uh, written policy can become a useful vehicle for improving uh, the healthy environment in schools that, again, support healthy eating, physical activity, and healthy kids. Now, what has been the community feedback from using this tool and the information they've gleaned from it? Uh, the, the response has been positive. What we're finding is that uh, the tool is being used in ways different than we had expected, uh, but that uh, the, the initial feedback is that it's making concrete uh, what oftentimes is considered to be uh, 
a vague and effusive concept, a school wellness policy. So uh, we just started implementing the use of this instrument this year in, in January, and already uh, we're hearing very positive feedback um, about how uh, this tool supports both public health action and um, the efforts to improve wellness policies. Now, you mentioned implementation. We do a little bit of work on wellness policies ourselves, and the million-dollar question is always, okay, so it's written on a piece of paper. How do we know that schools or school districts are doing what they say they're going to do on the paper? How are you assessing implementation? Well, th that's, that's a great question, Kathy. Um, one way in which, in the long term, and New York State will be able to assess the impact of our wellness policies is through ongoing surveillance on student weight status. Um, we're also in the process of, again, getting more proximal measures of the school environment. Uh, one of the focus of the Healthy Schools Initiative is around increasing minutes of quality PE within the day. Uh, so we have assessment tools that are developed specific to the building level to capture information about the number of minutes of quality PE students receive during the day. Uh, the, within the nutrition environment, we're using uh, part of a tool called the School Health Index. Um, it's routinely as part of the coordinated school health. It's a tool that creates a broad assessment of the school environment and, and schools are familiar with using this as a, a planning tool. There's a particular section that has to do with the nutrition environment that we'll be using um, with our Healthy Schools coordinators uh, in school buildings to assess uh, and ensure that there is implementation of the language. The other way in which we really indirectly can support implementation um, is through writing policies that are very specific and lead to it. So uh, in some ways, many ways, the WellSat process in process of evaluating the, uh, the policies themselves um, is a way to gauge whether things are implementable. But in addition, we're also building into our activities uh, an assessment of the environments that we're looking to change. Wow, so you're doing a multi-tiered assessment of implementation. You're doing a lot of work on the ground. You're doing a lot of work at the state level. What mm -hmm. challenges have you faced in bringing this statewide program to the ground? Well, we're always resource stretched. Uh, and so one of the big issues that we always face is not overloading the schools, our coordinators, um, and our state infrastructure. So having an assessment tool like the WellSat with an online application um, really is provides a user-friendly way in which to collect and record this information. Um, oftentimes we're forced with um, doing a few things well uh, when it comes to evaluation and assessment and implementation before trying to tr take on everything. So that's sort of an ongoing challenge. And again, uh, through the use of a, a systematic process like the WellSat, you can identify specific need areas. So it sounds like one of the big lessons you've learned is to be really moderate in what you tackle at any given time. That's absolutely right. Um, I think sometimes uh, there, we're always faced with uh, hard choices and it oftentimes the question is you, people would want to do everything but the best way for success in terms of um, especially supporting an implementation is to um, tackle things that can be done and not to try to take on everything. 
it sounds like we're moving into the area of lessons learned to some degree. Um, what are your tips? Let's say there's another state person listening in from another state, Department of Public Health, who has an interest in taking on this issue. Do you have tips for them in getting started? Some other lessons learned you'd like to share? Um, absolutely. Um, I think so part of what your uh, the goal is to find out what success uh, will look like with designing the programs. In New York State, uh, there's been a significant investment over the years um, in making sure and providing support for the development of these strong wellness policies. And so for us, as a priority, we would want to answer basic questions about whether the investment the state is making is leading to strengthening existing wellness policies. And so in our case, uh, where we started was identifying a tool, an instrument, the WellSat, that could answer that basic question. So I think that uh, if you, whether it's a, a, a program looking to design a, a, a way in which to improve wellness policies or an evaluator that's looking to develop tools to measure and account for the success of a program, some of it is identifying the priority questions and what success looks like for a program. Another question I have is, I know some of our listeners out there are concerned parents. Um, do you have thoughts about how parents can get involved in school wellness policies? Uh, absolutely. Um, one of the ways in which they can par do participate is by participating in school board meetings. Um, another way they can do it is through participating in uh, local wellness committees. There's often opportunities in which schools are looking to revise their wellness plans. And this provides a great opportunity for uh, parents or uh, concerned members of the community to participate in the process. We all have an investment in healthy schools and healthy children. Um, and participating in a local wellness committee and taking a concern with the wellness policy is a way to do it. Uh, schools, school administrators and districts, we all have an investment in our children. And when the community shows a concern, our school districts, our school personnel, school food service directors are really responsive to the community. And uh, parents will be able to uh, take a role in helping to shape the wellness policies and the environments that their children um, are educated in. So it sounds like while you're working at the state level, sort of working top down, parents and other community members who are concerned about children's health can be working on their end and you'll meet in the middle working toward the same goal. A absolutely. I think it's one of these issues where we're best served and are capable of having a, a win where uh, both from the community level and at the state level from public health agencies and county health departments um, where we can unify and build our resources around a specific issue like uh, school wellness policies, that's where we're poised for success. Terrific. In, in your work in both school wellness policies and health surveillance in schools, have there been any big surprises? Um, I think that uh, one of the big surprises often is that uh, we tend to think that there's a positivity bias concerning the strength of the policies that exist within your local school. So oftentimes when um, you hear a news story about uh, a poor school environment, I think the reaction is to think, well, not my school. 
what I'm hearing as part of this process is that um, oftentimes uh, people are surprised that the wellness policies within their schools aren't as strong as that they would they would anticipate. And again, through using a systematic tool like the WellSat, it helps to generate the information that can help drive action. So one of the surprises that we often hear is that um, at the local level, there's a surprise at what's absent from these policies. And uh, again, it's only uh, until we look at something really closely to that we see what's really there. And again, uh, oftentimes, without looking and without looking at a systematic way, we don't have the information that we need to help generate the action that's needed. So if there is a, a lesson learned, it's oftentimes we carry a positivity bias about what exists in our school district. But until we look and look closely, um, we don't know. And what we're finding is oftentimes the picture isn't as rosy as people would expect. Mm -hmm. And that that understanding is what really helps um, to move and shape the health envi healthy environments at, at schools. Right. Well, thank you, Ian, for a very engaging conversation on school wellness policies and in particular your work in New York State. We appreciate your being with us today and look forward to updates on New York's work in this area. Our guest today was Dr. Ian Brissett, Director of the Chronic Disease Risk Factor Surveillance Unit of the New York State Health Department Bureau of Chronic Disease Epidemiology and Surveillance. Please visit our website at www.yalerudcenter.org where you will find a variety of resources on nutrition and food policy issues, including a list of additional podcasts. Thank you. Thank you very much.